Blog Talk Radio. Tonight on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam. Well, well, back. You may have heard there's a big football game this weekend. There's been a bit of coverage. I don't know if you noticed. But the RTU boys, that's us. Still singing over the Jets. Failure to be there. So do they care? All right, we care a little. But screw breaking down the matchups and all that crap. Everybody does that. We're going to talk about who we want to win and why. And the Mets. Holy cow. Hand solo style. We're out of it for a little while. Everybody's getting delusions of grandeur. We'll talk about the Wilpons, the Madoffs, the Cubans. The Missile Crisis, we'll talk about who we want to see to buy the team, what we want to happen, all that jazz. And we'll talk a little Yankees, too, as Andy Pettit says I do tomorrow. That Yankee rotation now, not so much, not so good. Is he a Hall of Famer? We'll bring in Dr. E. Ray Stat. I think I know what he's going to say, but I never know. You never know what he's doing in there. And, of course, we have the RTU Fun Load trademark, where we will head down the Super Bowl party memory lane, potentially with our friend Dan. And talk about the do's and don'ts of hosting a big game party. We'll talk about our favorite memories from party. Super Bowl party. Plus, the doctor is in with Dr. E-Ray Stat at the end of the show. We'll give our diagnosis on the top sports stories of the day. And your calls. 424-220-1817. It's Thursday night. It's 9 o'clock. We are Cal and Sam Pete. We are ready to remember. Is what I'm saying. Well, 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 well. Here we are. On February the 3rd, 2011, and let me welcome in my partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner here on the show, on this on this sports talk radio show slash podcast called Ready to Unload, Mr. Brian Calvi. Hello, Brian. Hello, Mr. Hello. Steve. How are you? La, la, la. I'm good, man. What's going on? Not much. Not much. We- I'm excited. I, I am pumped up. We had the wackiest, the wackiest uh, BlackBerry IM. Well, before we get to that, let's welcome in Dr. E. Ray Stat, Mr. Evan Raymond Eisenberg. How are you, Ev? I'm good. I'm awake. I'm ready to go. For those of you who missed it, we did a little show last week, you know, getting our feet back under us. And uh, Ev, <laughs> we were all worried. We're texting him. Where are you? Was everything okay? Blah, blah, blah. Fell asleep. Fell asleep sound. Old man Eisenberg. <laughs> Couple of glasses of Chardonnay and he's out like a light. <laughs> did, um, you, did you get Did you get his timesheet? Because I think he put in for vacation time last week. <laughs> that, now, was a paid, that was a paid sick day. We had the craziest, just before we get into the Super Bowl and all the stuff, and the number to call is 424-220-1817. We're going to talk Mets. We're going to talk Super Bowl. We're going to talk about NFL labor strife. We're going to talk about Yankees. We may even throw some Knicks in there. We have, like, a ton of stuff that we want to talk about, but we have to start with the greatest BlackBerry IM conversation that we had last night, just real quick. Cal, what WTF is all I can, as Sarah Palin would say, WTF. (laughs) Cal decided that he was going to give us a completely fictitious Toto behind the music. I punk, I punk you. You totally pu- And Ev, why don't you tell us how this started? Because you sent me that one text. It's just out of nowhere. 
about uh, and for those of us who are younger than uh, you know thirty, uh, Toto is the uh, the band well known for Africa, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. And Rosanna. Rosanna, of course, mm-hmm. big hit back so in Ev- the eighties. Evan was uh, toe the, te- <laughs> to the line. Evan was texting and wondering how they got both the words uh, Serengeti and uh, Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Kilimanjaro in one lyric. And you wrote, really, Toto? Really? And that unleashed Brian Calvi. (laughs) John Toto. We were getting texts from John Toto telling us that. uh, Sorry. You had to be there, but it was magnificent. 100 Men on Mars. Well, that's how how it really started. Right. (laughs) You you tried to convince us that it was, there's nothing that 100 Men on Mars could ever do. Right. Which is and and then you said you had some Rolling Stone article from 1988 where John Toto said it's always been misinterpreted. Right. It was. And he talked. Know, about, yeah, he talked about how in the future, um, things would never be the same, and and you know. But and then, you, but then, John, John Toto and his brother Ben, of course, was right. the singer. His shy brother Ben, you let us know. His brother Ben is shy. Oh, it was just it was just fantastic and completely out of left field and. I was having a wacky night last night and, and uh, at the doctor and stuff like that, and everything's fine and stuff, but just in transit. And I'm having this conversation with Teresa about, and she's telling me that she always thought it was, I guess, the rain down in Africa. Right. She's like, how has nobody ever corrected me on this? I was like, because you've never sang it in my presence. Anyway, uh, it's, of course, bless the rains. It's also not past the rains, like it's you're riding a horse. <laughs> uh, but, you, but you know what it is? You know what it is though? It's 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 this is the time of year where the Super Bowl is Sunday. But other than that, there's really not a lot going on in the sports world. So you have to find ways to kind of humor yourself. <laughs> well, you were I'm going, I'm going with that. Yeah, you're going with creating your own behind the musics. And and letting us know, letting us know that Ben Toto, the lead singer, was ironically shy. Right. Well, he's the lead singer. You would think lead singers to be that shy. Exactly. Anyway. Right? Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. Yes. Yes. The number to call. Uh, well done, Cal. I tip my hat to you, my friend. A nice bit of satire. You almost had me believing that it was past the rain. Uh, so, Dr. Ray is here with us. He's going to join us a little later, uh, providing nutritious and delicious stats. Also, uh, when we talk about the Yankees, I'm sure he'll want to get involved as our resident Yankee fan. Uh, but, Cal, let's start off with the Super Bowl, man. Super Bowl is Sunday, man. Super Bowl 45? That's correct. XLV? Yeah, and... Is that what we're up to? That's correct. And and there's a couple things on this game, Cal, that I'm a little curious about. But let's, let's do real quick the game, okay? Okay. Because we don't want to... The game is being broken down in 8,000 ways. But let me ask you this. Green Bay is favored by two and a half, right? Yes. It'll probably go off around two or three. Um, how delicious is it that Aaron Rodgers is this good and that Brett Favre is nowhere near this game? How nice is it for the Packers to be in this game with a new budding superstar quarterback? Well, it's actually, it's, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't really heard from Mr. Favre this week. I thought he might have reared his Wrangler jeans on the Super Bowl week, right. you know? Um, well, everybody else is there, Cal. I mean, you go down everybody, meteor, you go down media row, and celebrity, <laughs> you know, radio row and celebrity everybody's row. Everybody's there. I mean, Phyllis Diller is there giving interviews. Like, really? 
is there is she still alive? Is there is there is there a bigger place for marginal celebrities than the Super Bowl? The weekend, you know, if, yeah. If, if we, you know, maybe sent an email, we probably could have gone. That's right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like here comes uh, the guy who played the neighbor on uh, on Married with Children. Here comes, here comes Steve. Jim Neighbors, right? Yeah, here comes Jim Neighbors, right? Let's welcome him in. The guy who played Steve on Married with Children. Let's welcome. But you're right. Tim McGinley is here. It's everybody. Like yesterday morning. Uh, here in New York, on the morning show, they did an interview with Jay Moore on a sports radio show. Well, I got to stop you, Cal, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Oh. Because because Jay Moore um, it, it sits in for Jim Rome, has for a really long time, and is a big ah. sports guy. A very big sports guy. And Jay Moore took a great shot at our boyfriend, Tessa. He did take a pretty good shot at her. He shot at Francesca and said that Francesca was sitting there like the emperor, like the Chinese emperor, like lawing over people. But it's 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 a crazy week with the media week and stuff like that. I'm just loving that Aaron Rodgers is on the cusp of becoming this national, or, you know, becoming a household name, becoming the next big quarterback. I mean, I think he's already on his way there. And this is a game that sees two quarterbacks going out at that are on different ends of the national conversation. Absolutely. I mean, Rodgers is a guy you, you want to root for. He took over for Brett Favre. He stayed in his shadow. He waited his turn. He got his turn. And now, and it turns out he's freaking fantastic. So you love that story. He's playing for a story franchise with the Packers and stuff. And then you have Ben Roethlisberger, Cal. I, I mean, I hate the Steelers for reasons that are personal right now because of what they did to my team. But overall, is there anybody other than Steelers fans that are happy to see the Steelers in the Super Bowl, Cal? Um, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of people actually do like the Steelers, but I don't think there's many people that are happy to see Ben Roethlisberger competing for his third Super Bowl in six years. All right. I mean, so where, where are the Carmel police? Right. <laughs> think, Let me think about it. Yeah. yeah. No, oh, no I'm just asking you to think about it. That's all. <laughs> Fine. So go then. Okay. I I <laughs> I agree. I I agree that where are the karma police and how does this guy get to a Super Bowl in a, in, a, in a season where he's suspended for the first four games, which was supposed to be six? He's been brought up on charges. I mean, we know the whole story with Roethlisberger. We know about the Sports Trade article, Cal, that I'm sure you read, which paints him as the biggest d bag to ever walk the face of the earth. Yeah, you know, we know about how he and Antonio Holmes were both in trouble, and the Steelers decided to keep Roethlisberger. Holmes goes to the Jets. They wind up playing each other in the AFC Championship game, and Roethlisberger gets the ticket to the Super Bowl. But does but if he wins this game, Cal, he's got three Super Bowl rings. Three, three. Same as Tom Brady. Two more than Peyton Manning. You know, know. same as Troy Aikman. Do we have to start putting him in the conversation? I think you have to. Or can the right? fact that he's a jerk, or he shouldn't say he's a jerk. I don't know the guy. He he has displayed behavior that is character, you know, a, a man of, of questionable character. Thank you. We got all yeah. British on it all of a sudden. The man of questionable character. Um, but can you? Does that do away with that? I mean, you suddenly he's got three Super Bowl rings. You're talking about him as one of the greats. 
Well, here's the thing. He's what? He's 27 years old. Yeah. Is that how old? Or is he older than that now? 27. He's only 27. All right. Or 28. I mean, maybe 27, 28. Maybe you can you can sum that up. Look, I'm not um, by any means giving him a pass on his behavior and his character issues. Um, I think that what he's been accused of and the way he's carried himself in public has has been horrible. But if you're going to give him a little bit of, of of the benefit of the doubt, is it possible that maybe, you know, and, and this has been talked about a lot this week too, is it possible we're starting to see him mature? I mean, can, should we be giving him another a chance to kind of grow up and, and put the stuff behind him and... and, and I don't know, Steve. What do you think about that? I I don't. Oh, I hate a cow. I don't know if he does winning cure all. And does that does that mean that you know does that, mean that? I I know what you're saying. I'm not even talking about winning. I'm just yeah. talking about the way that he's carried himself this week. And, and just you know. He had a well-publicized feud with Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw said some really critical things about Roethlisberger. Um, Bradshaw went to talk to him in training camp, and Roethlisberger uh, walked away from him, wouldn't even acknowledge him. Well-publicized feud. They sat down the other day, and they they, they spoke about it. They kind of hashed out the differences. And Terry Bradshaw came on, and, you know, look, I'm not using Terry Bradshaw as my barometer of, of, of <laughs> morality here. That's but, a good idea. But Terry Bradshaw came away from his meeting with Ben Roethlisberger, feeling like, now he's dealt with him in the past. He's seen the the immaturity and the character issues, and he walked away from his meeting this week, feeling a little differently. Like maybe he's he's turning the corner. Maybe he's trying. Can we can we give him credit for that? I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, no, you no, you can't. I mean, these are all valid points that you're making. Like especially for professional athletes, right? We've seen it in New York a million times. The redemption story and. It, it, you get a chance to redeem yourself. I mean, we saw with you know guys like Daryl Strawberry and, and Dwight Gooden in, in our youth. Um, mm-hmm. We saw you know the Yankees seem to have a reclamation project every year. You know, whether it was started with Steve Howe and it went on, you know, with Doc and Daryl and and you know athletes get a chance because of the stage that they play on, and and because it is quote unquote entertainment. I mean, it's sport, but it's entertainment. These guys can often get a chance to redeem their image. Sure. There's some things that are, however, irrecoverable, if that's the word. I may have just made it up. But you, you can't recover from certain things. I mean, there are certain charges that are laid against you that you can't recover from, even if they're not, even if they're not true. Now, now, I know. I know. He was never charged. Right. Okay, but it was but in multiple times. It suggests a pattern of behavior. It certainly suggests a pattern of behavior within his character. Has he learned from that? Maybe. I don't know. But I don't know where I have a hard time figuring out where it comes into the conversation with him potentially winning his third Super Bowl in his right. first six years or seven years in the league. That they they are two completely separate conversations, Steve, you're right. Yeah, it's nothing to do with, with with him on the field. If we were, if we look at it in a vacuum and, and his performance on the field, and the fact that he is competing for his third Super Bowl, you almost you have to kind of put him in the conversation as far as all time great quarterbacks. Right, you have to. Do you have to though, Cal? No, no sport. I'm sorry to jump in here, guys. 
We know what a sport does this than football. You know, the quarterback wins a Super Bowl, and he automatically jumps up six levels. Roethlisberger is a very good quarterback. He does some special things on the field. He's not Tom Brady, in my opinion. He's not Peyton Manning. He's got Super Bowls, so that makes him special. And I don't think that puts him necessarily in the category just because he's won a couple. He's happened to be a part of a very good franchise. That's a, I don't, I don't, that's a great point, too, though. I mean, that's a storyline here in and of itself, too, uh, and Cal, because his character comes into question. As you said, Cal, that's a separate story. Is he maturing, blah, 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 Then on the field, you look at him maybe potentially winning his third Super Bowl. Why does he automatically have to be in the conversation? Can you take it in context and say that first Super Bowl against the Seahawks, he was awful? He was awful. I mean, he, I mean you, he, can, you can argue that he took away more, more from that game than he gave to it. Correct. Now, the second Super Bowl against the Cardinals, he was, he was great. And he had a very strong game, and they won a thrilling Super Bowl. And you know, but if Santa, I mean, he made the throw. Don't get me wrong; it's a ridiculously good throw. But if Holmes doesn't make that catch, we're not talking about it. That's another one. You know what I mean? Like, why is it that way in football? Why is it that like you're like if Aaron Rodgers wins the Super Bowl, guys, he's in the conversation as the best quarterback in the NFL? Oh, he's in the conversation even before he wins the Super Bowl. I understand that, but uh, absolutely. But does it take him to some sort of other status? You know what it is in, in in football more than in any other sport. The quarterback is such a clear leader of the team. You know, you don't think of when you think of a baseball team. You don't think of, of there's one specific position on the team that leads the team and is symbolic of the of, of the whole organization. In football, it's you know, and it's been said a lot. The coach and the quarterback, they're the two faces of the franchise. No matter who else is on the team. So whatever success the team achieves is going to be associated with both the coach and the quarterback, regardless of the performance. You know, like, like you said, Roethlisberger had a horrible first Super Bowl that he was in, but he won the Super Bowl. Right. You know what I mean? The Steelers have won two Super Bowls with Roethlisberger. Right. He's got you – know, I, I think that that's and, – and that might just be a perception thing. Right. Well, we, I mean, it's, it's certainly an interesting story. There are a ton of interesting storylines going into this Super Bowl, although to me it still does feel like – the nation wanted the Jets to be there. I, I'm sorry. I, I feel like everybody outside of Steelers Nation would rather see the Jets there, especially considering the sort of sorted uh, uh, situation with Roethlisberger. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a, it's a lot more pleasant to talk about uh, foot fetish videos than it is to talk about than it is to talk about the things that that uh, Ben Roethlisberger is being you, you been accused of. You may be talking about the media there, those people. Because listening to some uh, yes, sports talk shows that are not local, um, there isn't one non-New York person that was happy that the Jets were even in the, in the <laughs> AFC Championship. They, they, people outside New York seem to loathe uh, everything about the Jets this year. Right, but Ev, isn't it the old thing that, that like love them or hate them? They're the best story. Yeah, I think you know what I mean. Media. I don't know if uh, yeah, maybe you're, you know, people wanted to root against them. In the, in right. The, no, yeah. absolutely. I think that was a big. Uh, that's absolutely a big part of it. I'm just I, I I the thing with Ben just to wrap that up but like you just you just said you know he's only top 25 touchdowns two times in his seven year career uh, is he an elite quarterback statistically maybe not but like you said Cal it's like we saw with Sanchez right he gets credit for the road wins he is right. four and two on the road as a, uh, in the playoffs as a starting quarterback. Now, was he instrumental in all those games? No, you could say three of those games, the running game won the game for them. You could literally say he only won one game for them, quote-unquote, right? 
Right. And that's the Patriots game. I mean, he had, you know, 220 yards and three touchdowns and no picks. But he gets credit for the wins. He gets and, – and if he wins one more, by the way, he'll have more road wins than any other quarterback in, history, in the history of the NFL in the playoffs. So he gets credit for the win. Same thing with Roethlisberger. He could be awful in the game. He still gets credit as a starting quarterback on a winning Super Bowl team. So I think that does elevate him into the conversation of all-time greats because – not all-time greats. God, it's, boy, it's just hard to put him there. He's 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 so strange and he's he's so polarizing from 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 a personal aspect and a professional aspect. From from the professional aspect, though, if you watch him play, that's that's where you feel he could be one of the all. He just he wins. He finds ways to make plays. Yep. He finds ways to make plays. He wins games, right? He yep. doesn't put up huge statistics, but they win. With him and 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 you watch. I mean, we watched that Jet game. He third third down. How many times on third down? He oh, he found him. a way to make. He killed found him. a way to make a play. We talked about it last week Cal, on the show. He's the reason those third down scrambles are the reason they lost. I, but but that's my point is that you if if somebody were to punch up stats of Ben Roethlisberger and you look right. at them, you'd be right. like, oh, no way. I don't I don't care that he's won two Super Bowls. He's statistically not a good quarterback. But if you sit there with your eyes and you watch him play, and you watch that game against the Colts a couple of years ago where he made a tackle on a fumble recovery right. that saved the game and put them in the, in the Super Bowl, he does things to win games. And, and it's kind of intangible stuff. But, um, but that when I think of Ben Roethlisberger, that's why I consider him to be one of the all-time greats. Right. And you know what, Kyle? Two things. One, Dr. Ray Satchers throws this out. We're going to talk about Andy Pettit a little later on in the show. That, you know, uh, maybe is he a Hall of Famer? Is he not a Hall of Famer? He's retiring tomorrow and stuff. But Dr. Ray just throws us this stat, Cal. He has the most comeback wins, 19, and game winning drives, 25. He has more than any other quarterback in the last seven years. Okay, so, uh, so that tells you that he is a winning quarterback, and often he's doing it on his own. You know what I mean? Or in their first seven years. Thank you, you're right. So, and this is, I, I bring Pettit into that because you say, like, is Pettit a Hall of Fame pitcher? No, but you, not maybe not necessarily by the numbers, but if you look at his postseason numbers and you look at his, uh, how many times he stopped the losing streak in his career. And, you know what I mean? There are different sort of intangible numbers uh, that you can't really look at. You know, like game-winning drives to me is a ridiculously important number for a quarterback. Right. Yeah, that's why I thought Sanchez had so much better of a year. I came back to Mark. Sorry, but he had so much better of a year this year than he did in his rookie year because he led four or five fourth quarter comebacks. Right. He didn't do that at all his rookie year. So that tells you that he's starting to get it. That tells you that when he came in the line, you can count on him having a big drive. You know. But uh, it's such an interesting storyline, Roethlisberger being at this game. It, it really is. And to have a guy like Rodgers going against him, who's sort of squeaky clean, you know? Like, it's, Rodgers is so easy to root for in this game now. So easy to root for. Because he waited his time behind Favre. He didn't say anything. Favre yanked the organization around. We all know what Brett Favre did to the Packers. We all know what he did to the Jets and the Vikings. This guy bided his time, and then when he took over, he's been fantastic, and he did it quietly, and he's 
gosh, he's fun to watch, Cal. He really he's he's so talented and he's a video game. He's a video game to me. Yeah, he is. He makes throws that you make in Madden where you're running one way and then you zip it eighty yards on the field the other way. I know. And he's a Madden quarterback. So that, that that brings us to, you know, let's get off of Roethlisberger. I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> too easy. Two, two more questions for you. 424-220-1817, the number to call if you want to get in on this Super Bowl stuff. Uh, two more things I want to throw at you, that I've been thinking about. Okay. The game, we talked about it a little bit last week. <clears throat> We've been talking about it all week this week on the BlackBerry IMs and stuff. And that yep. is with the labor situation, with Cromarty and the, and 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 now Kevin Malai, and the, you, there, there seems to be no, there seems to be a labor story coupling every Super Bowl story. Mm-hmm. Is this like a huge cloud over the game? Because to me, it's more important than the game. I mean, granted, the, the Jets are out, and I'm still, I'm, I'm hurting, but it's more important than the game. It is well. It's 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 the health of the league, right? You know, and and that isn't that the long term health, the long term viability of the league is much more important than one Super Bowl. So you're right about that. Um, is it a black cloud? I don't th- I don't think it's a black cloud, but it definitely uh, has made its presence known at the Super Bowl. But this you know? is, this is what I mean, though, by the idea that like. To me, it feels like only Packer fans and Steelers fans care about this actual game. You're right. You're right. Every other NFL fan is worried about there being a season next year. Right. Like I'm a Jet fan. I don't. I don't care about this game. I care about if there's a collective bargaining agreement because my team has 17 free agents. Right. I'm, I'm a Giant fan. I don't care about this game. I care about who we're going to sign, who we're going to draft, if there's going to be a season next year. Well, and and that's and that's the other. Uh, kind of shadow that's cast over this game is that this could potentially be the last NFL game for for a while. Yeah, and I think that that kind of you know that that reality is kind of it, it leaves you with a strange feeling going you know you're not going into this game like wow I can't wait to watch this game you're going into this game with like, like wow I wonder when they're going to be playing again. Yeah, I sure hope they're playing next year. Yeah, and, and to me that's you know granted. I've been burned. I don't mean to turn this into a country western song, but you know, uh, my aching heart here. I, I've had trouble listening to sports. I've had trouble sleeping. You know, now I have an eight-week-old child. That doesn't help. But you know, I, I mean, really, I took this jet loss very hard. I, I have been able to listen to sports talk radio. The NFL Network has not been on. I have not turned on Channel Five Eighty Eight. Can't do it. This is a tough one. It hurts too much. Mm-hmm. But. It even seemed like last week, week before, you know, media week when they're down in Dallas and everything, was like eerily quiet. Yeah. The big story, and, you know, I've seen the Troy Palomalu wig and stuff like that. Oh, you know. It doesn't seem like anybody's having a good time down there. Well, because of this, like, the media and the... And, like, TMZ. Well... Nickelodeon. Hey, can we say one thing, Cal, by the way, with the Inez... Sand, uh, Sand, uh, Sands, is that her name? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Inez. Inez, right. Okay, really? Really. Uh, okay, we got it. You know, can, can we maybe, like, I'm not even saying apologize to the Jets, but 
Have have you seen what this woman's doing? It's very not great. And I, I read Jane McManus a lot, and, and she uh, writes for ESPN and covers the Jets and stuff. And she's really good, and I get her Twitter feed and stuff like that. She's, she's an excellent reporter, and she is, like, disgusted. <laughs> she is, like, disgusted. Basically, Inez Sands is at the Super Bowl covering it, quote-unquote, and is, like, at the 50-yard line doing, like, a sexy dance with another female reporter and, like, but is, like, oh, take me seriously. Right. Oh, the Jets harassed me. You know, you're wearing a pair of pants that you look like you painted. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not remotely condoning sexual harassment, of course. I'm not saying that women in in, in the sports workplace haven't had a ridiculously hard time. They have. This woman is not helping. No. And I think that's what Jamie McManus was saying. You're not helping. Fifteen minutes is up. But anyway... Um, you know, I I feel like there's a black cloud over the game for the rest of the NFL fan. I would agree with that. Now, the game has been broken down every which way but loose, right? Collide. Every which way but did you see what I did there? That's funny. I, I like that. That's rough. I just made just made a reference to a movie from 1981 with an ape as a ghost star with Clint Eastwood and an ape. Right. Now this is before. Cal, how does he get out of that? How does Clint Eastwood become like the most revered director ever? And he's making any which way but loose in 1982. <laughs> and literally, his co-star is a chain called Clyde. Think about it. You get, how good do you have to be to, to overcome that? <laughs> to pull yourself out of that one. Wow. It's the thing that Charles Bronson could never do. God, Charles Bronson. Have you ever seen the Charles Bronson movie, Cal? <laughs> have I seen the Death Wish? Right. He, he is so bad. Death Wish 3? Death Wish 6? Yeah. Well, we used to have a running joke, my uh, friends and I, Terry and those guys, those actor guys. We used to have a running joke that we knew our first gig would be with Paul Bronson. <laughs> and we'd have to be like, you know, he'd be like, I'm talking to you now. And we'd be like, cut, I can't, I can't work with him. I can't, he stinks. <laughs> like we'd walk off the set in the first movie with Charles Bronson. Anyway, he stinks. It's not me. He stinks. Uh, <laughs> it's been broken down all over the place. Cal and Dr. Dre, I'd like to bring you back in, brother. Um, who do we want to win? Who cares? Who, who do we want to win? I, I don't care about how Aaron Rodgers is going to try to break down the nickel defense in the Steelers. Who do you want to win? Who do I want to win? Yes. Who are you rooting for? Well, I, I'm, again, it's hard, it's hard to get into this game. You're right. For all, for all the reasons that we talked about before, it's hard to get into this game. But I guess I'm rooting for the Packers because I just like them a lot, a lot better than the Steelers. Okay. Now, does that I mean, that's, that's really unscientific and. and <laughs> no, I'm not saying who you, you, you. I'm not saying who do you think is going to win. I'm saying who you're going to be rooting for. The Packers. Because the those beat the Jets? Yes. <laughs> I like the way you said that. You were so forthright. Yeah. That, well, you know, I'm, why, why why put on airs? Right. I appreciate that. Uh, now, uh, Ed, who do, you, who do you want to – who are you rooting for in this game? Well, we, we wouldn't want Kyle to put on airs. I certainly am rooting for the Packers. Uh, and to, as to quote our friend Dan, who will be on later, 
Uh, enough with the Steelers. Okay. Enough. All right. Seriously, enough. <laughs> so you've had enough now. I've had enough. You know what? I want some. I want the, the Packers to win, and also I, I want to win so that they can uh, uh, shove it in Brett Favre's face. All right, fair enough. Now, have I got to ask you though? What do you mean by enough? Clarify that. It's just it's just enough with them winning all the time. They're so damn good. I'm sick of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well then. <laughs> Uh, I I think I, too, will be rooting for the Packers, but not because of what you would think. Not because they beat the Jets. No, no. No, no not yeah, because they why? beat the Jets. Largely because I, I, the Packers have always been a second Madden team for me. Oh. From years gone by, from, you know, even like the... See, with the years. years. Oh, yes, that's correct. From days of yore. Yep. Yep. Always like the... Even, the, you know, going back to even Tecmo and returning kicks with Desmond Howard. I, I'm just saying... I always felt like I could get, I could be a Packer fan if I were not a Jet fan. Bubba Franks used to get into. Love Bubba Franks. Don Mikowski. Don Magic Man. Don wow. Number Everybody seven. Him. Magic Man. Uh, I could though very easily be packed out by the end of the game. Oh, you change mid game. <laughs> I could easily change mid game. And be like, if the if the Rogers. You know, I won't use the word, but if the Rogers, the Rogers Fest, we'll call it, Rogers, Rogers Palooza is going on, uh, I could easily turn and be like, you know what? I want the team that beat the Jets. That's what I can say that the team that beat the Jets won the Super Bowl. So you could you be offended by people praising Rogers and root against the team for that? I just don't like it when it gets too heavy during the game. Well, they, we, partially they're right going to be, be doing the same thing to Ben, lovely Ben. Right, but I'm already rooting against the Steelers. Uh, well, no, they'll be doing it for Palomalu. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Hey, by the way, and how did he win the year earlier? How does that happen? That's a joke. That's a I mean, mistake. Is Matthews just like, really? Seriously? What do I got to do? I mean, come on. How many games, uh, can you look up uh, real quick, how many games he missed this year? I'm on it. I want to say it's at least four. He played. Uh, he played fourteen this year. He played, yeah, including the playoffs. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. So seven, he missed four picks, right? Right. I mean, what does Clay Matthews got to do? I don't know. I think it's his hair. Oh Why? wait, Palomalu won. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they liked Palomalu's long flowing locks better than Clay Matthews' long flowing. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's. I think it's that he won. Both. I think it's crazy. You know. I'll tell you, his numbers just don't support it. I'm sorry, they just don't. So is this purely a reputation win? I think so. Uh, you know, is it like the MVP in baseball where they say like sometimes the guy or the Cy Young or whatever the guy wins it for the year before, kind of thing? No, but it, he didn't have that good of a year. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, right? When they do that sometimes with the MVP. Like, he'll have a ridiculously good year. He gets snubbed. He has a pretty good year the next year, and he'll get the – maybe I'm thinking of the Academy Awards. Yeah, that's... yeah, no, you know what they do that? They do that with the uh, with the gold gloves. With the gold gloves, right. That's right. They do that a lot. Okay, and they definitely do with the Academy Awards. And the Academy Awards. Right, like that's how Scorsese wins for The Departed when, you know, his, the movie – or The Aviator when the movie before that is better. Yeah, it's a, it's a makeup win. Right, exactly. Or Newman wins for The Color of Money. I digress. Point is – there's no way Troy Polamalu is defensive player of the year. It's he's ridiculous. Good. He's good. I guess. 
He's good. He's not the defensive player of the year. Though. Didn't do one thing in that Jet Steeler game. He had one big hit, and it was after like a seven yard gain. Right. I mean, did, really, didn't do one thing. Jets oh. could have thrown for 350 yards in that game. Why didn't they? Because their offensive coordinator stinks. Ah, there we go. Bingo, bango. Come on, Eisenberg. I'm ready bing, for bing, you. Bing, boom, boom, boom. They, they could have gone down the field. Bing, 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 boom, 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 bop, 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 beep, beep, beep. <laughs> they could have sounded like a Radiohead song going down the field. <laughs> <laughs> offensive coordinator stinks. Oh, boy. Your Honor, Your Honor, the witness is beating. <laughs> uh, By the way, Dr. E. Ray, you showed remarkable restraint right there. I applaud you. He's fighting his time after we're done with the ball. He'll get, you'll, you'll take me on on this, right? I'm maturing like Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> Which numbers are not as good. <laughs> You're maturing, yeah. Okay. You, you bring it. I'm ready for you. You were asleep last week when we were doing this. Oh. All right. Bring it on. Schottenheimer needs to go, my friend. Below the belt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what was the last thing on the Super Bowl? One more thing on the Super Bowl. Do you think that uh, put the over-under on the, the actual broadcast? Or over-under. Give me, give me feelings on the actual broadcast. Fox, right? And we know, we know that the Super Bowl is like, we're going to talk about Super Bowl parties uh, and stuff like that, and the event that is watching the Super Bowl uh, a little later on with our buddy Dan Nello um, in the show on the RTU phone load. But give me your feeling. How do you feel about the, the broadcast? Do, do you know who's doing the game? This is of huge importance. Well, it's, it's, obviously it's Ray Aikman and Joe Buck. Right. No, they're not going to put a guy in that booth? No. Maybe maybe we'll be lucky and have Tony Siragusa on the sideline. Goose. Nice. You want to, no, I want to talk about enough. <laughs> enough, Siragusa. Dr. E. Ray, is it definitely uh, Buck and Aikman? Can you check on that? And also, Cal, they they have the uh, the referee there, right? Yeah. Referee, what's his name? Uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Pereira. Mike Pereira. I heard they're pu- I heard they're going to put Steven Tyler in the booth also. <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> well, this is <laughs> there's just going to be references to all Fox programs, right? <laughs> we talked about this last week, did we not, Cal? Like with the, I, with they did that with the World Series. Oh, no, we were talking about that when we were watching the Jet game. Yeah, every you know, all of a sudden now, uh, you know, Randy Jackson is eating a hot dog at the Super Bowl. <laughs> what a, what a coincidence! The cameras have found, uh, you know. <laughs> The the star of uh, Running Wild. Or whatever. Right. Is right. Is that Will Arnett? <laughs> what is Will Arnett doing on the 25-yard line? Oh, he's a huge, huge Steeler fan. I had no idea the cast of Fringe was here. <laughs> you know, it's just... The but best was it, when they had, uh, what was it, uh, Mike from Mike and Molly on the, on the sideline? Yeah. Really? Come on. Steeler sideline, waving a terrible throw. Really? <laughs> like, CBS, you're better than this. This is like a Fox thing. Back when they had, like, David Faustino at the World Series when the Yankees were in there. There's David Faustino enjoying the game. Not even a joke. He did. Wearing right. a fox hat. Right. Even Joe Buck knows it's a joke. What are the odds? They, they couldn't the get Kevin. Got a fox hat on. They couldn't throw Kevin James on the Jets jet sideline for crying out loud? Yeah, Come I on. know. Well, he doesn't have a show on CBS anymore. Uh... You know, and he doesn't have the King of Queens on CBS anymore. But I, I, I just I, look. Buck is fine. He does a solid job, I guess. I don't but like him. You don't like Buck? 
I no. the worst. I totally well, wait, agree. Wait, what happened? <laughs> so, like, uh, I, the worst. I can't wait. stand him. Tell me why. Joe Buck. Oh, yeah. Where do we start? Yeah, go. I don't like his voice. I don't like his face. I don't like any of them. I think he's kind of <laughs> I think he tries too hard to be, um, you know, I'm too cool. I'm going to be laid back. Joe Buck. You know? <laughs> I'm laid back. I'm Joe Buck. I have no idea, guys. I hate him. Well, let me ask you: Do you like? Do you like him in baseball, Steve? No. Sir. Okay, but that's like his, to me. He's a Cardinals fan, right? Yeah, he's a he's a total Cardinals like apologist. So no, I've always thought he's been unfair to the Mets and and doesn't like the Mets or whatever. But the, it could be any announcer. I feel that about everybody who calls. Like it, 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 we did it with Nance, you know, with the Patriots checking. Well, that was that was blatant. It, but he seemed much more measured the next week. Was it just because he loves the Patriots? No, are you kidding me? In I, the Steeler game, you thought I he was measured? He, I think he was that bad. I felt I I felt he couldn't contain his glee <laughs> as that first half unfolded. I mean, he, I, he totally mocked the fact that Nick Folk kicked a field goal at the end of the half to That's put him on true. the board. That's true. All right, never mind. I, I still feel that way, though. Anybody who's calling a game for my team hates my team. Whether they do or not is inconsequential. I don't mind Aikman, I have to say. You know what? I like Aikman, but people go crazy about Aikman because he does giant games. Oh, there's another one. Talk about that being a conflict of interest. Yeah, like how does Troy Aikman get to do a giant game? I, it never I've, happened. I've never understood. But, you know, at what point does he become a national broadcaster? Like, can he never do a Giant game? I I don't know. Well, if I was a Giant fan, or, you know, the Giant fans that I know hate it. The announcers are important for this game, are they not? They're usually important. You can't you just run out of summer all and add for every one of these games? No. This is, this is like an addendum with the World Series. Tell me you wouldn't want your Gus Johnson to do this game. I mean, Gus Johnson, I've been talking about it for years. I want to hear Gus Johnson do everything. I mean, Gus Johnson goes crazy over the first game of the NFL season. Can you imagine in the Super Bowl how he'd be? By the way, a little, little side note there. Adding Gus Johnson to the new Madden to this the past Madden fantastic. It's great. It's fantastic. You know, look, when you watch a game, you want to have fun. You want to be entertained. I like there's no There's nobody more entertained. You don't want to be talked down to. You won't. You don't want to have to feel like this guy that you know. Why does Joe Buck think he knows more than me? You know, I you really don't like Joe Buck. <laughs> just as, as an example, you want to be entertained, and, and and Gus Johnson is nothing if not entertaining to listen to. Right. No, absolutely. W- one more thing on the announcers, though, Cal, and 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 Ev, please. I've always found this interesting that the Super Bowl. You know, the most watched sporting event probably in the world, outside of maybe the World Cup or whatever. Um, don't the announcers sort of have to dumb it down for that game? Because there's an audience full of people that wouldn't normally listen, or I mean, uh, normally watch a football game. No. Don't you need announcers that dumb it down a little? Or don't you need the announcers to dumb it down a bit? No, I'll tell you why. 
and we're gonna and we're gonna get into this a little bit more when we talk about Super Bowl parties later. Okay. okay. But that's that's the whole thing. You're at a Super Bowl party. You're not necessarily listening to the announcers, right? I guess. How, how many? Uh, I'll save it for later. If, <laughs> let's move I, on to the Mets. <laughs> no, I'm not ready to go to the Mets. No, no. I I I just think Being that's an interesting. I, I think that's an interesting challenge for whoever does. Like you listen to uh, Al Michaels, okay, who I think is is a, a fantastic broadcaster. Okay, I think he has his moments of late where he's a little sanctimonious. But I've always thought of Al Michaels as a guy who, uh, especially with football, knows how to let the game breathe, knows how to knows how to do his job and do it well. right. Right. Al Michaels, I would love to get his take, you know, on what it's like to call a Super Bowl, because you have a different audience. You have a, an audience that's not necessarily a football audience. So you may – it's a challenge, I think. I think it would be a challenge. And I think that Joe Buck – you know, I, 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 I'm going to be interested to watch that and see if it's a different broadcast than I get on a, on a regular basis, on a regular Sunday. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I just – the announcers for this game is fascinating. And, again, we'll talk about this in the film mode, but it's, it's the biggest sporting event televised sporting event like in the world outside of the can of World Cup. Like there's like a billion people watching. You know, and Troy Aikman is somehow doing this game. All right. Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen, the number to call and we have to move on from the Super Bowl. Um because it's time. Okay. All right. Oh no. Oh dear. I'm not thoroughly depressed. The Mets are in are in the news. Home runs over the wall. Now, Cal, let me ask you. Does the song come with the Mets? No. So do you get do you get rights to the to the song? Do do you get the rights to meet the Mets? I don't think it comes with it. I think, I think if you, all you get is 25% of the Mets and no say in the direction of the team. Right. Sign me up. Basically what you get for that 25% is this. <laughs> and that's it. That's what you get in the deal. So you get, you don't get the whole song. Mm. And and also the the most lucrative part of the team, you know, the, is uh, the song. Yeah, <laughs> you don't get any rights to that either, but you get the song. That's right. <laughs> the lucrative part of the team royalties. That's... So, uh, Cal, while we were away, um, things have gone absolutely batty in Flushing with the ah. New York Metropolitans, and uh, for our national audience, our huge national audience. Um. I said that with a straight face. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, Bernie Madoff and the huge Ponzi scheme, one of the biggest schemes, uh, financial schemes in the history of this nation, uh, involved the Mets from a very early stage. Bernie Madoff was arrested in December of 2008. Uh, it involved the Wilpons, the owners of the Mets. Uh, it is all coming to bear now, Cal. And let me just start by saying this. I don't I don't know what to think anymore because every 
12 to 14 hours, there's something new agenda-wise for each newspaper about this story with the Mets. So my, I don't know I don't know what to think anymore. My favorite part is that I can't get over the amount of legal experts that have come out of the woodwork. It's a big time of the year for them. All of a sudden opportunity. All of a sudden everybody knows about the law when they comment on the Mets. Yeah. Cal, let me ask you this right off the bat. Okay. Yeah. Do you think now the documents in this case that was filed against the Wilpons in December are going to be released tomorrow? They're going to be unsealed. They well, there's no, speculation. No, no. no. Wilpon said they are not objecting. Right, but does that mean that they will immediately be released tomorrow? Supposedly, they're going to be released tomorrow. Okay. Which basically means that the the lawsuit uh, by the trustee uh, for the people uh, that are suing Bernie Madoff and suing and suing the Madoff estate, the trustee is suing the Wilpons and Saul Katz for, if you believe the New York Times, one billion dollars. If you believe the lower estimates, $300 million. Blah, 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 blah. But supposedly the actual case, the filing, okay, is going to be released tomorrow, unsealed. Cal, your gut, your heart. In October, the Wilpons said, Madoff money has nothing to do with the Mets. Now we find out maybe a little bit, not so much. We may have pushed the number here. You know, we had bagels, and the next thing you know, we invested 150 times in them. <laughs> Do you, in your heart, feel that the Wilpons knew what was going on with Bernie Madoff, knew that it was a Ponzi scheme, and just were greedy? Oh, boy. Um, it's It's real hard to look at everything and, and, and kind of see how this has played out over the last two years and not believe that they had no idea that this was coming. Now, the, met, the fan in me, um, the believer in humanity in me. Wow. <laughs> you know, I want to believe that they were a victim as well. Now, they're not victims because they made money. They made money off of this. But it just, you know... Every every day, another layer of the onion gets peeled back, and, and you know, it, it's always something else. And I think at this point, unfortunately, I don't feel like the Wilpons have any credibility. And, and when they tell me that this has nothing to do with the operations of the baseball team, I don't believe them. Right. 424-220-1817, the number to call to get in on this Met Talk. Uh, Cal and I and Enev have been chomping at the bit to talk about this. So, Cal... Uh, I thought this was interesting today, where the Wilpons sort of fought back and let their lawyers and their mouthpieces do a little talking as well and say that, you know, basically Picard uh, and the trustees in this case are trying to smear them. This is a smear tactic. What I found interesting was the Daily News and Lupica here in New York, Mike Lupica, seemed to be on the Wilpon side. And the New York Times seems to be running a story a day that is against the Wilpons. Now, before you go any further, in the interest of full disclosure, you need to remind everyone that the Daily News works with the Mets on SNY. Correct. So, which is take, 65% of which is owned by the Wilpons. Right, so take that for what it's worth. That definitely factors into the equation. 
Um, I I feel like there is probably a truth here that we'll never really get down to, even when the unsealed court documents are are revealed or unsealed. Mm. Uh, but the Wilpons, as you said, A, have lost all credibility. B, I think that you can't possibly... Uh, it's such a frustrating thing right now as a Jeff fan, uh, as a Met fan. It's such a frustrating thing because they hired Sandy Alderson, and we hear all sorts of things that like Bud Selig urged him to take the job, and Sandy Alderson seems to be saying a different thing every day. And I feel like Sandy Alderson is being fed this information as we're getting it. Probably. Like I think he knew that something was going to go down with the Madoffs. I think there were and and the Wilpons. I think there was he knew there was more to the equation there that met the eye, but. I don't think he knew how deep it went. And then all of a sudden, everything he says is he's been brought in here to cut payroll. He's been right. brought in here to turn the Mets into the San Diego Padres, blah, 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 blah. And Joel Sherman's whole thesis, which I, I, I find is nonsense. It's nonsense. To me, Sandy Alderson, or Bud Selig went to Sandy Alderson and said, you should think about this Mets job. And Sandy Alderson said, okay. I didn't know I'd be even be a candidate for it. And Selig said, probably urged him and said you should really look at and throw your hat in the ring because they'll have you but you don't you you know in light of what's come out lately you don't believe that maybe sandy alderson they weren't as forthcoming with him as as they should have been oh i don't think they i don't think they were i don't think they were totally forthcoming with him but i i also feel like they got smacked with this lawsuit in december that i thought i think they thought they were going to lawyer their way out of it i agree with that and so when this happened in December, and this law, and they saw the terms of this lawsuit, first of all, they immediately started talking settlement. The next thing they did was try to bring in capital into the team. Yep. So I feel like they got blindsided by this a little bit. They thought it was probably just going to go away. Well, and, that, and that's what we were talking about this week. I, my opinion of the Wilpons, and for a long time now, has been they operate very arrogantly. And they operate in a way where they, they can do whatever they want to do, and they can just make it go away. You know, if they waited out long enough, the story goes away. Right. You know, and I think they tried to do the same thing here, but this story is not going away. This story is only getting worse. Well, Cal, let me ask you. Do you think that Sandy Alderson was brought here to cut payroll? I mean, do you yeah. think that the Wilpons saw this and said, uh, and asked Bud Selig, and Bud Selig went to Alderson, and, and Selig put this together, and Selig knows everything that's going on. Like, do you think it's as nefarious as that, that these things are going on behind closed doors, and Sandy Alderson has come here to turn them into the San Diego Padres? I think that um, Bud Selig and the Wilpons have a very good relationship, and I think Bud Selig kind of knew what was going on. I don't think the Wilpons would have let Bud Selig in on everything, but I think he kind of knew what was going on, and that's why he suggested to Sandy Alderson, you might want to take this job, because they knew they were going to have to operate the team on a much lower payroll, and Sandy Alderson has, has a history of succeeding in that type of situation. And that's probably why they, they pursued him so much. Right, so you're saying that's where that marriage comes from. It's a good marriage. They're going to have to operate it on a budget uh, I, because, they don't, because of the uncertainty of the Madoff case. So yeah, let's put I, him with a guy who's done it well. Right, and I and I I think that's part of it. I think also he is he he has a solid reputation in the league, and they did need to do something to address their 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 image of of having a buffoon run the team as a general manager, you know. Yeah. So they had they had to bring somebody in with credibility, 
just to just to improve their image. Yeah, but I mean, you, you couldn't have Omar Minaya right now running. Could this you team imagine and doing these? I would. I wish. I mean, part of me wishes it happened, just for the unintentional comedy. I can't even imagine if if you had Omar Minaya and Jerry Manuel running around right now, <laughs> in the midst of this. Could you, I just? I could you imagine Omar Minaya conference and somebody asking him about a clawback <laughs> like the financial clawback he i mean he couldn't answer who was playing second base next week oh my goodness uh, you know a claw uh, well what do you how do you feel about uh, please now, they had to bring in alderson they had to bring in a guy who um brings some stability to the to the thing and the guy has cachet and gravitas and we know all that but, Cal, you don't assemble a front office like that if you're thinking about saving money. I mean, they have the highest paid front office, like in baseball. Yeah, but, but Steve, they're not paying the front office more as much as they would be paying the players. No, I understand. But well, here's what drives me a little crazy, Cal, though. Maybe you can clear this up for me. Taking the Wilpon Madoff disaster ownership thing aside, right? So they're, they're supposedly cutting payroll for this coming season. Who were they going to get? Who was the big free agent they missed out on? Their payroll's almost $150 million. Were you going to go give Cliff Lee $100 million in five years to a 32-year-old pitcher when you have Johan Santana, who's having surgery right now, you know, or, or had surgery and is going to start the season injured, and you already have one 30-plus pitcher making $100 million? Could you imagine the disaster if Cliff Lee gets hurt two months into that contract? I mean, who are they going to get, Cal? Not this year. Nobody this year. Where was, was the money to be spent? There was there was no money to be spent this year. So why are people going k- killing Sandy Alderson for not doing anything, for not adding payroll? Where because, was he going to add it? Because the guys that he added were were cheap uh Fringe players, reclamation projects. That's the type of player that he added. And it's very fashionable to bash the Mets for um, that that's all that they did. That like you're bringing in Chris Young, you're bringing in Chris Capuano, you know. Where, where, but where else was he going to spend the money? Nowhere. And you have, you know, 40 to $50 million coming off the books next year. So when he says things like, well, we'd like to operate at a significantly lower payroll, I don't take that as him saying, oh, we're cutting it down to like $80 million and we're going to be a small market team. I, take, I took that as him saying, we're at 150 this year and we stink. You know, so let's get $50 million off the books and spend it wisely. You know, or spend $25 million of it and spend it wisely. I just, right. I, I just don't not... understand the outrage. I don't understand the outrage of like, where, where was he supposed to spend this money? Well, and the outrage comes in the fact that the, the Mets are clearly in financial trouble. So then, obviously, if they get $50 million to come off the books next year, he's not going to put another dime back in. They're just going to save that $50 million. Nobody ever said that. That's fair. And, and, and Cal, that's fair. Nobody has said that, A. But B, right. that could very well be true. It could very well be true. <clears throat> and, I think we, and I think we have to prepare for that, um, for that possibility. Now sure. let's not let's not I, I, that is by no means to say that I am going to be naive and not realize that they went to Sandy Alderson and said you can't add more than eight or ten million dollars. So even if he wanted to go get Cliff Lee, he couldn't. I mean, I'm not going to be naive and say that they weren't operating on a budget. They, they obviously were, 
But I think it goes back to the idea, Cal, that the Wilpons, who I totally agree with you, by the way, have been arrogant owners for only having won one championship. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Fred Wilpon thinks the fact that he's from Brooklyn buys him some sort of uh, free, you know, get out of jail free card. Okay, but I think they got I think they got blindsided by this case in December, by the the filing of this case in December, and then all of a sudden it was like, wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me we could owe seven hundred million dollars? I don't think they got blindsided by it, but I also don't think they thought that it was going to be as big a deal as, it, as it's turning out to be. I well, think I, I think they knew that the possibility of this existed. You do? You know? Yes, I do. I think that they knew. How, how could you not? How could yeah. you not think that in in the, in the middle of this of the scheme that this has happened before? Right. This, this clawback. This has happened before, where they go after. It happened to them once before. Two they, years they, ago, in another Ponzi scheme. They go after the people that made money in the scheme to supplement the money that the victims lost. Well, then so it ha- right. It, so it's, no, no. It, it, so that happened. So that's why I don't think that they were blindsided by it because they had to. They had to consider the possibility that this could, this could happen. I don't think they they probably knew the extent of it. Right. Well, I think it's all. I think it's also Cal uh, all going to hinge on whether or not they knew. <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot of what we de- what we decide, uh, and in the court of public opinion, quote unquote, about this is that is whether or not they knew, whether or not they knew what Bernie Madoff was doing was illegitimate. Their their counsel comes out and says today that how could they possibly know? The SEC didn't catch this guy. Why are the Wilpons expected to? And the New York Times comes out and says they've been riding the, you know, they were riding the train with them from Manhasset in 1980, and you know, getting a, a 17% return on investments when everybody else was making 10. How did they? How are they not remotely suspicious? Plus, is it, you know, they're, they're good friends. They know each other. You know what I mean? Is it, is it possible that they knew? I got air quotes there. They knew, <laughs> but they but they didn't want to admit it, or they didn't want to ask. It's possible. It's possible that they know that that something shady. I mean, and the guy Bernie Madoff. Let's face it, he duped a lot of people. Yeah, you know? I'm sure. Yeah, and smart, guy, smart people. Yeah, the guy was the chairman of the of the uh, what do you call it, the Nasdaq. I mean, it's not like he wasn't. He was running around in illegitimate circles doing this. I know. But their history, and the fact that they were so close. And, you know, the other thing that comes out, Cal, and I want to move to who you think should be a new owner here, or who you think should be interested, because that's fine. But, like, the interesting thing, Cal, like, with this deferment of payment to players that they invested with Bernie Madoff. Mm-hmm. So right there, when they said that no Met money was involved with Bernie Madoff, that's a lie. Like, that's, it, that, that's a flat lie. That they and, told a bald face lie that they told that they could have avoided and said, "Well, look, you know, we're fine. It was mostly Sterling Equities money, but there were some investments that we made that doesn't affect the day-to-day operations of the Mets because it doesn't, but it affects Met futures. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, they lied. It's a bald face lie. They went. They went through a stretch where they were signing a lot of free agents, and they were they were paying out a lot of money to these free agents. But a lot of that money was deferred, right. and that was kind of their way of getting around having to pay them so much money up front. They deferred the money. Now, if it comes out 
you know, if it comes to be that they were deferred, this this deferred money was going into a Madoff account, which is what it looks like has happened. Right. Then you're right. That's a lie that they told That's us. A bald faced lie right off the bat. And I want to know how Bobby Bonilla feels about this. <laughs> well, he's he probably quite a bit of, <laughs> he had quite a bit of money in, yeah. in deferred. He actually starts getting paid this year for the next twenty years. Yep. Good deal he signed. Well, look, we've been talking about this a lot, Cal. Does somebody else come in and own this team? I mean, does, I, it, does this set up as the Will, the Wilpons come out and say 25% of the team is available, right? Is that, is that getting, them getting out ahead of the story? Would, well, you know, because nobody's going to buy 25% of this team, Cal. Who, who in their right mind is going to invest $200 million into a team in which you're not – you don't have any say in the direction of the team. I'll tell you who. Tell Jay-Z. me who. Jay-Z. You think? Well, I mean, not him specifically, but a Jay-Z-esque person. No, I, I who disagree. Who just wants the cachet of owning a team. Disagree. They're going to want to have input. Uh, that's... What, do I get? What, what do I get for $200 million? I get right of first uh, ownership when the, when the Wilpons are made to sell. And And... You know, that, that, that brings up another really good point, Steve. If this is going to be a black eye on Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. are, do, you, do you think there would be pressure on them to sell the team? Oh, absolutely. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Especially given their close relationship with Selig, which yeah. they may be able to like, even get out ahead of it. I mean, I think that's what this offer of 20 or 25% of the team is. I think it's them trying to get out ahead of it and say, uh, you know, then somebody comes in and blows them away, and they can get out. And they can say, well, we only offered 20 to 25%, but this guy came in and offered a billion dollars with an ownership group, and we said, you know what, maybe we should get out. You know, and then everybody, you know, nobody looks bad, quote-unquote. Well, they're going to look bad. Boy, we're doing a lot of quote-unquotes. They're going to look bad. A lot bad. of quote-unquotes. You know what I'm going to do? What? I'm going to... That's the quote-unquote sound, because we've we got to stop. We've got to stop doing it. But, yeah, of course they're going to look bad, but they're not going to look as bad, Cal, if they're going to jail and they have to sell the team. No, that's yeah. mean. Or, or, or they have to go into bankruptcy like Tom Hicks did with the Rangers. Right. Now, look, who, who comes – does Cuban not try to get 25% of this team and just say it's his foray well, into baseball? He's been shut out twice? I, yeah, and actually – if I could, if I could bring Doctor E Ray in at this point, we were talking about this this morning. Well, Paige, Paige and Doctor E Ray, we were we were talking about this this morning, and he brought up a good point about Mark Cuban because it came out yesterday that uh, he expressed some sort of interest. Doctor E Ray, are you there? I'm here. What did what did what did you say this you know about Mark Cuban and and his interest in the Mets? I mean, I just he basically his comment was, uh, yeah, I'm interested. Uh, call me. You know, I, I just don't get that. Like. You know, if you're interested in buying part of the team, you don't you call and discuss an offer? Like, they have to actually seek you out, a, a holy Mark Cuban, and, and, and hope you could buy 25% of their team? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, like who who is Mark Cuban? Yeah, I just, I just don't get it. Well, he's extraordinarily wealthy. He's very wealthy, yes. He's a big blowhard. I'm yeah. angry today. I, I feel like, is, do you hate Mark Cuban as much as Joe Buck? No. I mean, no. Is, he in that, is he in that realm? No, he's not. I don't hate Mark Cuban. I, <laughs> but I don't want Joe Buck to own the Mets either. No. no. Nobody I, wants that. 
Like I would like Joe Buck to put together an ownership group with Jim Nance, Al, <laughs> Al McGuire, Tim, Tim McCarver. Paul McGuire. Paul, Paul McGuire. Al McGuire. Paul McGuire. Any of the McGuires. Uh-huh. Uh, so, let's see. Who else can we get in there? The McGuire uh, sisters. The right. McGuire sisters. Mark McGuire. Uh, Dan McGuire. Dan McGuire's brother, quarterback for the Seahawks. And San Diego State. Um, no, I, I, I understand the thing with Cuban, though. Ev was more like, you know, they should pitch him. It was such a grandstanding publicity thing that he did. Because he was, in New, he, was, he was in New York, the Mavericks were playing the Knicks, and, and he just happened to be in the right place at the right time, and, and he got himself plastered all over the papers by making a, a, a grandstanding comment. I agree with Evan. Cal, is there anyone that you would rather see by the, by the New York Mets? Oh, Let's throw it out there. I, 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 I can't think of somebody. I would like to see Mark Cuban go in there tomorrow and be like, I'll take 51%. Thank you. Here's $550 million. I'll take 51%. And you guys can still have your little, you know, uh, and I'll take the piece of SNY. Because they only own 65% of SNY, by the way. And they can't right. sell it. Right. If they sell it, they have to pay off all the shareholders, the other 35%. Which but they all- Comcast, Time Warner... Yeah, but they may they may also have to offer it to them first. They have to liquidate it. Right. They have to liquidate it because that's their that that may even be more valuable than the Mets. It is. Right. So I want Mark Cuban to walk in and say like, "Here's a check, five fifty. How you doing?" <laughs> Would there be a better owner for the Mets in New York right now? He's go- he's going to spend every year. He's going to be a nutbag. The guy loves to win. He took a Dallas Mavericks franchise that was a disgrace, turned them into perennial winners. Well, have they, have they won? They make the playoffs every year. I mean, you can only go so far with uh, you know Dirk Nowitzki. Basketball, though, it's a different sport. So how? Yeah, there's the salary cap. <laughs> Imagine what he could do without one. I, he's dying to get into Major League Baseball. He's try, he tried to buy the Rangers. He tried to buy the Cubs. Who's your dream owner, Cal? Who who comes in on the on the on the white horse and buys this team? My dream owner. Who bails us out of this nightmare? This long, the long national nightmare that is being a Mets fan. Isn't there a uh, isn't there a shipping magnet out there that you could uh, <laughs> you know have a little Steinbrenner esque take uh, over here? Uh, yeah, because everybody, yeah, everybody wants the Steinbrenner. Well, maybe 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 that's what happens. Maybe maybe Hank buys the Mets, Hal owns the Yankees, and we just have a uh, a built in feud. Hey, while we're on this. Just real quick, this story kind of came and went, uh, but while we're on this real quick, how is it that the Yankees only own, or the Steinbrenners only own 32.9% of the Yankees, and yet they're the majority stockholders? Well, that's how many stockholders there are. Right, so that means that many, 68% of other people own the Yankees? Yes. But nobody owns more than 32%. Open the books. <laughs> I cry foul some sort of ridiculous accounting going on there. What what are you accusing them of here? I don't understand. I'm accusing them, the cook in the books, of being smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, the majority the majority uh uh voice of the Yankees at 30 at only 32%. That, that, that's I I had no I, you guys saw that story come out, right? I had no idea about that. You thought that they at least owned 51%. You yeah, would think not, at some point the other sixty-eight percent would be like, "Hey, you know what we should do? Let's get a couple, like, let's get a big hat together 
and throw some money in here and buy these guys out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially, like, this has been going on for a long time, right? They've been only had this much for a long time. So, like, you know, when George was in jail or kicked out of the league, you know, banned from baseball, nobody put a collection plate together. <laughs> I, I just, I, th- I, I thought that was interesting. But How about Jerry did- Seinfeld? I was going to say, do you want Jerry? I mean, come on. Who would be a better owner for this team? I mean, what is the deal with a Ponzi scheme? I mean, how fast can we get Keith Hernandez in the the dugout? (laughs) Like, that makes Hernandez the manager immediately, right? Right, yeah, he's the manager. He's got to tap Hernandez as the manager immediately. George Costanza is the equipment manager. The traveling secretary. Yeah, it's... I you know I don't want I don't want a celebrity to own the team. Why? Can't Trump? we have fun? How about Trump? All right, I don't want Trump. Why not? Because I don't want Trump. Because I, I think he's an idiot. Trump, I think he'd be great. Uh, at what? He already owned the Generals, Cal. It was a disaster. You're going to play. You're going to play Daniel Murphy at left field. He's going to play left field, or you're fired. Exactly I want Murphy in left field every day on NBC. I, I, I got it, guys. I got it. Vince McMahon. You can have like a little <laughs> WWE tie-in. It'd be great. And now your New York Mets. Are they playing real baseball or is it fake? Ah, good one. That's what it would be. <laughs> Dr. E-Ray, wow, that was cold. You are very angry and cold tonight. But I thought that was a good one. What are you talking about? <laughs> it didn't sound like it. He'd make he'd make it uh, the Mets. He'd put like an X in the name. <laughs> right? <laughs> M-E-T-X-S. Hey, Ed. Uh, M- oh, contact baseball. <laughs> mean Gene Okerlund as the, uh, uh, one of the play-by-play guys. There's a base hit to left field. I cannot believe I'm watching this. Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. Ev, who is the? Uh, we're gonna have uh, uh, our buddy Nello come on in a couple of minutes to talk to us about Super Bowl parties and the RTU fun load. Uh, again, that's the number to call to get in on that. We're gonna talk about Super Bowl party memories, all that kind of stuff. But just to wrap up with the Mets, and then uh, we'll, we'll do. You know what, Ev? We'll do uh, Dan at ten uh, twenty. Do the fun load at 1020, because uh, I, I, I do want to uh, ask you guys about the Pettit thing with the Yankees. But just to finish up with the Mets, I think, I, I feel like, Ev and Cal, I feel like, what does it mean for the team in 2011, right? I, I think I tweeted, uh, I think it was the other day, I said, can the ex-showgirl <laughs> wife of uh, Donald Phelps buy the team? <laughs> Like in Major League, and we can rip off a thing every day of a bikini or whatever. But like, what is this? What do you, Cal? What do you think this means to the guys on like an everyday basis coming into 2011? Expectations for the first time in years are low. They're low. Like this team's not expected to finish better than third or fourth place, and everybody's bagging on them, and they think they stink. And you know, I mean, what does it do for the team? Is is or is the unsettled? I'm sorry, Cal. Is the unsettled ownership situation, all this Madoff stuff, can they rally behind that? I don't think they'll rally behind it, but I don't, I don't think it'll be the distraction that people might, might expect it to be. You know, I think you're right. They, they have not had um, 
expectations this low in so long. Right. And I think that can only help guys like Carlos Beltran, who's playing for a contract, and Jose Reyes, who's playing for a contract. You know, uh, Jason Bay, who's looking to return after a horrible year. Uh, I, I joked about Daniel Murphy, but Daniel Murphy is going to be back trying to prove something. I think that, it, you know, this is not the lost cause that everybody likes to make it out to be. Like, like there's some 50-win joke that should be embarrassed to be in baseball. You know, I'm, re- I'm tired of hearing that from the pundits out there. I, I agree, and I also would take a step further, Cal, and say that, um, you know, the ownership mess, and it's a mess, fine. But, you, you you know, people are saying this is such a bad thing for the team or whatever. I feel like these guys are going to be like, you know what? Get good. Good. Get it settled. You know, let, let's get somebody else in here. Let's get a new voice. Let's get somebody with deep like Piazza said the other day, right? Mm-hmm. Let's get somebody with deep pockets in here that's going to spend on this team. You know, but I also think they can really rally and make it an us against the world kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, I don't, I don't buy the rallying angle. I, I know what you're saying, but I don't, I don't see this group as as a as a group that rallies around anything. To well, be perfectly I mean, honest with you, I, I see. I think it's a very different room than it's been in the last few years. I really do. It's not that and different. I, and I think it, I think it's a room that's not going to have Luis Castillo in. It's not going to have Oliver Perez in it. You're going to see. Uh, you know, ownership jet or uh, Sandy Alderson and the GM make those guys accountable and jettison them, like he said today. You would not get away with they would not get away with what they got away with last year. They will not get away with that under Terry Collins or under me. Okay, you're going to see those kind of guys out of the locker room. You're going to see Jason Bay here for another year, who's a good clubhouse guy. I I just want the I just want James Gammons, who played Lou Brown, to come in there and be like, you know, the press said. We'd all do ourselves a big favor if we just shot ourselves. <laughs> well, I'm for wasting sports writers' time. You know, I want Terry Collins to deliver that. To deliver that. With a big Mike Hol- Holmgren-like mustache. <laughs> With a big walrus. With Mike a walrus, Holmgren. yeah. I, and, and look, Ham Capuano and, uh, and, and Chris Young, those are good signings. I'm sorry. They're good, they're good low-risk signings where a ballpark is the great equalizer. Nothing wrong with them. And you take that lineup if it's healthy, Cal. It's not that bad. Sorry, I know I have the Met colored glasses on, but you have four All Stars in the top six there. Four former All Stars, or yeah, four former All Stars in the top six. You know, Reyes, Pagan, Wright, Beltron, Bay, Ike Davis, Daniel Murphy, and Josh Tolley. Not a bad, not a bad one through eight. Just saying. I'll tell you, as a, as a non-Met fan here, uh, listen, I don't know if your team as constructed is as good as you think it is, but I will tell you this. You have upgraded at general manager. You have much more talent in the front office. You, I think you have a, probably potentially a better coach, uh, a head coach, you know, manager here. Um, and you have the real possibility that within the next couple of years, you're going to have this, management, this uh, ownership team that you don't like out of there. Yep. Or at least a different voice in there. I think as a Mets fan, you have to be happy. Forget about the money being spent. You have to be happy about the situation right now. I well, you know what? I am. I, I know, know it's embarrassing, but I'm I'm happy that I, I've wanted the Wilpons gone for years. Exactly. And I think you're close. I think you're closer now than you're ever going to be. Yep. See, that's it. I'm I'm happy about the team. I'm sick of the embarrassment. I'm I'm sick of of, of all the pot shots, and I'm sick of all the comments. Yeah, but you know what, Cal? What's embarrassing right now? 
is it more embarrassing than blowing a lead to the Phillies? Who well, cares? No, this is oh, this this Madoff situation. To be honest with you, it's not embarrassing. I agree. They made a bad business move. That's true. I'm embarrassing. And, and you know what? And the truth is, they spent a huge amount of money on Jason Bay last year. You know, they didn't they didn't hold back spending money particularly. To tell you the truth, you could make an argument that he had he showed great restraint last year by not signing Jason Marquis and a whole bunch of other players. Yep. I I, I agree John, with that. I, I I don't know how that's, but I know what Cal's saying too though. Ev is that it's portrayed. As this, like, you right. know, if you read the local uh, media oh. and stuff like that, and even even the national media to a degree, they're portrayed as some sort of Washington Nationals disaster. Right, and that's unfair. It, the team won 79 games last year, and they were awful. That's right. And they still almost finished 500. That's why I don't think they're a 90-win team by any means. No, they're not a playoff team. They're not going to contend this year, but they're definitely a 500 team. They should uh, be a 500 team. If you get up, maybe they're... The, the def- they, you know, if you get a couple I wouldn't of breaks, say they're definitely maybe not a playoff wild. team. Right. If you get a couple of breaks, maybe you're in the wild card race. Who knows? Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. My, but my expectations are not that they're a playoff team. Maybe maybe they get a couple of breaks and they're in the race, but my expectations are not that they're a playoff team. To me, it's health. They're, if they're healthy, they're a competitive team. But but if, the if big race, if race is healthy. Belt. I know they're huge ifs, Cal. I'm not saying they're not. No, I know. And and you know what. The emba- embarrassing was the wrong word. You're right about that because there's not a lot to to be embarrassed about. I'm more just kind of tired of the comments. Right. You know what though, Cal? It's not. I don't want to hear it's, not, it's, it's not the wrong word because that's how they're portrayed. So that's. But, but I'm. That's but I'm not embarrassed to be a Mets fan. You're not. No. Good. Proud of. It. Well, let's not get crazy. Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. Number to call. We're going to move on in a couple of seconds to the fun load and. Uh, as soon as our, our buddy Nello calls in, and shockingly, guys, he's late. Never. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, Dan is late. This is a friend of ours. I, you folks probably have a friend like this, and we love him dearly. We've all known him since we were little guys. Uh, but uh, Dan, there's there's Greenwich Mean Time, and then there's Dan Mean Time. And if you want Dan at an event at 8, tell him it's at 7.15. And also remind, him to, bring, by and remind him to bring his wallet. Um, <laughs> wow, I hope I hope his agent's not listening to this. <laughs> Just real quick on the Yankees uh, before we get to the fun load, uh, Ev and your boy Petit. Uh, he is he is bidding adieu tomorrow, and that's what they say. So where does that leave your skeptical? Where does that leave your rotation right now? In shambles. How big of a how big of a how big of a piece <laughs> is is Mark Pryor right now? <laughs> Well, they signed him. Didn't they sign him as a reliever? No. No, I thought he was going to start. Oh, Freddie Garcia. Cologne. He got a little uh, Sergio Mitre. Nineteen ninety nine Yankees. I just uh, that was that one tweet, Cal, right? Where the guy was like, uh, I, I can't remember who it was. It was a great tweet about how the Yankees signed Bartolo Cologne and Mark Pryor, thus wrapping up the two thousand and three pennant. That's what it was, yeah. <laughs> Ev, I gotta ask you, Doctor E. Ray, you're a big stat guy. You're a stat head. Andy Pettit, Hall of Famer. He's retiring tomorrow. He's bringing the career to a close. Oh, we've done this argument before. Hall haven't... of Famer. Have we done it on this show? No. Let's do it now. <laughs> Hall of Famer. I want it. I just happen to have his stats in front of me here. If I'm shocked. Um, listen, he was helped by a very good team throughout his entire career. 
All right. Uh, but you can't deny the fact that his winning percentage is phenomenal. Okay. 635. He's got 240 wins. Um, I think he is borderline, and it depends on your definition of Hall of Fame. In my opinion, no. He's not a clear Hall of Famer because he didn't dominate. He wasn't the best player ever in his position, uh, or even top five, really. But uh, you look at his playoff stats, and they're incredible. I mean, and that has to play a big role, just like we were talking about Roethlisberger earlier. Well, let me ask you a question. Talking about the Hall of Fame now, like I, I know your opinion on the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'm very I, strict. I tend to sure. agree. I tend to agree with you. Yeah. But um, the how they're letting people into the Hall of Fame right now, based on the standard that they've set, what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I think probably he he gets in compared to some other people. Um, but uh, I, I don't I don't I don't know if he gets in just from I think he probably people would generally view him as a guy that was helped a lot by his situation. I mean, his career ERA would put him at one of the highest ever in the Hall of Fame if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. I believe three eighty eight. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough call, Steve. I think that one of the things that you have to factor in with Pettit is. Uh, you know, the money game, money pitcher in the playoffs. You know, and you can say the live long day that, you know, he played on great teams and he was the beneficiary of playing on those great teams. But he still had to produce in the playoffs and in the World Series. And his numbers in the playoffs and World Series are phenomenal. You know, the funny and thing about his... Uh, I want to talk just real- I yeah. want to jump in about his postseason because everyone talks about how great they are because he's got 19 wins, blah, blah, blah. If right. you look at his total postseason, it basically equates to one season. He, he had 263 innings, so it's a little bit more than a season. Yeah. 19 and 10, 383, 383 ERA. That's almost exactly like what he does. On that's every almost year his basis. career numbers, right? Yeah. Wow. wow, that's wild. But, it, but it's, it's on the biggest stage and it's against the best competition. Right. You know, which is what makes it a little, you know, you, you shave – do you shave a you know a run off that because of the teams he's facing? You know what I mean? Like I I think you have to take that into consideration. However, the biggest thing in his favor to me is his winning percentage. That is that is a, you know you think about Pedro Martinez right? And we always talk about Pedro Martinez being a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's because he has an unbelievable winning percentage, correct? Yeah, I but, think it's more than that. But, but he only has like 212 wins, right? right? So, I mean, Pedro, but Pedro Martinez for five years or six years, he's like the Koufax exactly. uh, corollary, right? Like he for five dominated. or six years, he's the most dominant pitcher in baseball. Listen, I'm a Yankee fan, and, and he, he, Andy Pettit was not Pedro Martinez. No, no, no. I'm not, no, no, I'm not saying that, Ev. I'm saying, but what I am saying is that in his favor, what's his career record? I mean, he's like 110 games over 500, right? He's, his winning percentage is better than Pettit. He's 219 and 100, for crying is out loud. Pedro Martinez, yes. Yeah. No, no, I'm not arguing that Pedro Martinez is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is. I'm talking about Pettit getting in someday. I'm not talking about him being a first ballot Hall of Famer or whatever. I'm talking about his record and his winning percentage is probably what's most in his favor. Or where you make the biggest argument. Like, what's his career record? Pettit? Yeah. I'll punch it two, up for you, right? It's 240. It's 240 and 240 and 130, I think. Or, yeah, 240. So he's like 140 and 138. Yeah. Right. He's like 110. And if you take the playoffs and World Series, he's another nine games over. So he's almost 20 game, or 120 games over 500. Right. I mean, that's that's in his favor, is it not? No, it is, but you, again, you 
the, his critics are going to go back to the point that he played on very good teams his whole career. Yeah, right, his ERA has always been three point eight and four. Out the biggest, right, we're also leaving out the biggest thing, which is the HGH. Right. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Therein lies the rub. <laughs> As the bard once said, "I there's the rub." Well, I I don't think. I don't think he gets in. Maybe he gets in, you know, Burt Blylevin style, like in 15 years. You know, because suddenly... So you meant he had to grow a beard. <laughs> like Burt Blylevin. Well, he should do that anyway. Let's be honest. He should, now that he's retired. Yeah. Grow a beard. Take away from that nose. Is, 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 there, is, is there any possibility that he comes back in the middle of the season? Definitely. Really? Wow, are you kidding? Um, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that was the first thing that I thought of when I heard that he was planning to retire, is that there's no doubt he's going to you know, look for some sort of Clemens type of deal that you know, come June, Yankees are you know, in the middle of the pack. He's going to want you know, prorated huge contract for the rest of the year. That's perfect for him, don't you think? But that's not his style to have a big press conference announcing his retirement and saying goodbye and then coming back three months later. Do I think he's going to drive Susan Wallman to tears? Yes. Do I think it's going to be in a grand fashion? Probably not. <laughs> Oh my goodness gracious! Oh my goodness gracious! Andy Pettit Andy is in the owner's box. box of all the things. <laughs> in the owner's box. Oh, that's the greatest oh, thing ever! Oh, it's just so good. It's just so <laughs> delicious. Oh boy. Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen, and uh, Dan is uh, is gonna call. I just I've been texting with Daniel, so let's get Dan on here. Uh, Dan, call up and we'll talk. No big whoop. We're ready for the. Uh, the fun load, and the fun load tonight is brought to you by anybody. Anybody brought to you by anybody. Skittles, <laughs> bite-sized candies, taste of rainbow. <laughs> the fun load tonight. We're going to talk about RTU has no association with Skittles. <laughs> RTU has never. <laughs> we got to get disclaimer guy. We need disclaimer guy. RTU has nothing to do with Skittles. <laughs> um. <laughs> The uh, do we have music? I thought I had fun with music. And Who's somebody the... else could call too. We encourage other people to call as well. Anybody can call. Whoever you whoever you are. Show. Ooh, there we go. Well, we really got to get PJ to re EQ everything. What is the R This is uh, the R two R two fun mode music. Oh, we're just jumping in without him. Okay, great. He's calling. He said he was waiting. He was waiting to call. Oh. Daniel, if you if you call if you're ready, call it. If you're listening, call. The RQ phone mode is brought to you by one eight seven seven cars for kids. is not associated with cars for kids. So listen, the Super Bowl is the, okay. The Super Bowl is this weekend, gentlemen, and uh, what's one of the things that we do at the Super Bowl? We have parties. People have Super Bowl parties. Right, we were talking about how it's like a huge national event. Now, let me start this by saying, okay, oh, there's Dan. I think there he is. Bring him in. Let's bring him in. Let's bring him in. Dan, are you there? Hello, Dan. Yellow. Hello, Dan. Yeah, thanks for having me, gentlemen. Well, welcome. Let's welcome our buddy Dan Antonello. Nello, welcome to the show, pal. Good to be here. It's uh, it's good to be here on a cold night. Are, are you outside, Dan? <laughs> are you calling from a payphone? I'm actually I'm in the lo- I'm in the lobby of someone's apartment building. <laughs> oh boy. 
Uh, well, uh, Dan, we wanted to bring you in to talk a little bit. We were just getting to the fun load and talking about uh, Super Bowl parties and stuff like that. And one of the reasons like, we definitely wanted to have you on to talk about it is that the Antonello Super Bowl party was uh, famous, is legendary in the annals. The annals. Uh, let's leave annals. Anyway, um, famous in our history. Dan, you had a Super Bowl party for years. What was What was the first year you had the Super Bowl party? Uh, well, first off, uh, who's with the group here? Is Cal there? Is Cal there? I'm here. Yeah, I'm here, Dan. Nello, what's up? All right. All right, Cal. I believe, and you're going to have to be the uh, the Super Bowl party historian here to confirm this, I believe the first time that I had a Super Bowl party was in seventh grade, and I had two guests. Are you with me here? Yeah, keep going. You lost the West Coast, but we're with you. (laughs) I believe that Cal was one of those guests, and the other guest was much more important uh, than Cal. That's why I can barely remember if Calvi was there. It was Krasminski. It was Dave Krasminski. Wow. And uh, West Coast is back in. And um, (laughs) we just we just got and Krasminski's mom baked a cake. Yes. Magnificent. A, a cake, I believe it's for. Uh, I'm, I'm, Cal, which which Super Bowl was this? Do you remember? That was it. Was the year after the Giants were in the Super Bowl yeah. against? If it's seventh grade. Yeah, so it had to be um, six Broncos Redskins. Maybe? Broncos Redskins, right? Well, the, she didn't bro- bake a Broncos cake. It must have been the year before. I think she <laughs> baked a giant cake. <laughs> well, look, Dan, your, your parties. Uh, uh, obviously became a thing of legend because Krasminski went to the first one. Uh, and Krasminski went guys. to the first one, and <laughs> and never again did we have someone of his social stature at any <laughs> any one of the uh, other parties. Dan, I remember one of the things I remember best from your Super Bowl parties uh, and going to them. One was '91, uh, the Giants Bills one, and rooting so hard against the Giants in that game and rooting so hard for Scott Norwood to make that field goal. But I also remember you uh, wearing a different jersey from a different team every year. <laughs> because because while, you are now, while you are now a Jet fan, back then you were a flavor of the month, my man. That, that is completely false. Uh, <laughs> as, as I've explained to you and many other people, you know, your mom buys you a jersey. She doesn't know exactly what to buy you. You wear it. You wear it. Uh, yeah, I had a couple of jerseys back then. Um, but I was a Dolphins fan back then. I was a Dolphin fan back then. I was not fair weather. I will say this. I remember you rooting for the Giant, uh, rooting against the Giants. I was rooting for the Giants. Never a Giant hater. And, right. Well, you, you, uh, didn't, you didn't have, have to live with McWalters. <laughs> true. But I have to say, and maybe you guys will agree, probably the two best Super Bowl memories I have are giant victories um, back in 91 and then the recent uh, one against the Patriots. Nothing, you know, besides loving a team, hating a team can be as big a unifying and motivating factor. You guys can agree with that. Absolutely. 
No, that's a fantastic point. Like, what can unify a room more than and 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 all of us now as Jet fans? I know you, uh, Ev. I mean, uh, Dan, you and Cal were Dolphin fans for a long time. But all of us now as Jet fans can speak to the fact that we have never had a dog in the race. Wait, we've never had a horse in the race. And we've never had a dog in the show. We've never had a pony. I don't even know, and and uh, I don't know what my Super Bowl party persona would be. If if my team was there, if the Jets were there, I, I don't know. You know. I think it would be a very different party. Yeah, that, well, it wouldn't really be a party. That's a great point because I have friends that were Jet fans that had. My brother-in-law was one of them. Um, had pre-planned a Super Bowl party to host back at the beginning of the playoffs, and then when it looked really? like the so- Jets. And then, yeah, then when it looked like the Jets might actually be in the Super Bowl, they were frantically trying to cancel their parties. Because they didn't want to host it. <laughs> well, and they single-handedly jinxed the entire run. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It was them. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, Dan. This is uh, Evan here. Um, I was afraid to talk about it, but I, I genuinely had no idea what we were going to do if the Jets were in it. Because the Super Bowl is obviously a big event. There's no way you can exclude certain members of your family or friends or even uh, – spouses, girlfriends, you just can't. It's that big of a deal. But yet I had really no interest to be a part of that sort of sort of crowd with the Jets in it. What, what would you have what would you have recommended to do there? That was the, the no doubt that was the elephant in the room. You know, no one wanted to talk about it. Uh well I think the only reasonable thing to do would have been to uh to have two separate rooms going in one house. You know, you have the casual fan Wife, girlfriend, uh, babysitter, room, and then you've got neighbor. Uh, what's that? Neighbor would be in that room too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then you've got your fan room, uh, and I think that's what we would have done. Um, you know, the, the only sense of relief, small sense of relief that we have with them losing is that we didn't have to deal with this problem. <laughs> but let's hope we have to deal with them. You know, we, why don't we start making plans now? Maybe, <laughs> you know, sometime in the next five years, we're yeah. going to have to worry about it. One of the things, Dan, that's uh, that's awesome for me is that I have I have been to an Antonello Super Bowl party in one form or another like 13 times. It's like I've been <laughs> to the one at your house when we were kids. Then there was uh, your brother hosted two uh, your your family has the one in Staten Island where we went to the restaurant. We went there twice. You know, I, I have been around Antonello's for Super Bowls like 17 of the last 22 Super Bowls. <laughs> in some way, probably, form. Pr- probably none stranger than the uh, the Super Bowl party in the heart of Staten Island at, a, yeah. at an Italian restaurant called La Boat, yep. where you sit in their basement with about 50 <laughs> other guys <laughs> Uh, watching the Super Bowl, halftime food is eggplant rollatine, little baked ziti. <laughs> little ziti nice. Uh, you get at the, by the middle of the third quarter, you're clamoring for some coffee and a cannoli, which they barely bring out. Right. Uh, you got, there's cigars, there are, got, there are most, mostly people, the most, the uniform really is, are colorful, complicated sweaters. <laughs> well, let's not forget, tight. I'm also, uh, that was a great Super Bowl, but that Super Bowl, which was uh, Carolina, New England, I believe, yep. was overshadowed by one gigantic event. Do you remember? The Janet Jackson nipple, my right, friend. That was the nipple slip. Yep. Yeah. 
<laughs> I was. I think I was slicing my veal parmesan, looking down. <laughs> I thought you missed I, it. You might have. Had, you might have been digging into schwagadel uh, knife. You know, you might have been at the pastry. <laughs> Because and I remember vividly watching that game uh, at that place, you know, at that restaurant, and it being on the big screen, and turning to you or Ev and being like, "Did I just see a nipple? I think I just saw a nipple." Like I, th- I thought I spotted it. And Steve is always, he's always hallucinating nipples. Right. Of course, <laughs> that has happened at every Super Bowl party that you've ever had. Like, a, you know, like Aerosmith is playing. Is that a nipple? Oh, it is a nipple. It's Steven Tyler. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, let me ask you, one of the great things, too, that I remember is that you came up with, uh, very early on, you came up with prop bets before there were really prop bets. Like, one of the first things we did, I remember being at your house, and you uh, had this bet, we would do this thing where you would put a dollar on the number of the player you thought was going to score. And it was like Absolutely. a prop bet, it was like a prop bet before anybody did that. Yeah, we had a scoring board. Uh, I part of that came of uh, back then. I was I was running the uh, the the junior high school uh, 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 box pool, you know. That's right. Uh, and I you know I extended I extended my uh, my betting services to uh, to during the game. And then I'm sure you guys remember it just it didn't it wasn't enough for us. It wasn't enough, so we had to bet on all sorts of other things. Yeah, we were yeah. doing we were doing prop bets before they were like popular in Vegas. Like we were like, I, you know, ten right. bucks. But I'm talking fix this pass off. even beyond the beyond the prop bet. <laughs> bets, the, the bets bets within the room. Oh right, yes, sure. yes, yes. What if were some of those? Remembers the, I think probably the favorite some sometime maybe uh, early '90s, very early '90s. Was uh, was whether Frank Rossi was going to leave the toilet seat up or down? <laughs> we just <laughs> after he I, came out of the bathroom. I won eleven bucks on that one. <laughs> I'm totally recalling all this, but there was nothing. There was it was so awesome to look forward to that party because I, for me personally, I'm not a gambler. So like the Super Bowl is the only time I gamble. Like I get a box and I do that, and you do that pool. And I remember the one year. <laughs> The one year that Rich had it at his apartment, before your brother Rich had it at his apartment before he had the house, and that was the Titans Rams game. That was the Titans Rams game, and yes. I wound up watching that in uh, Rich's bedroom inexplicably <laughs> <laughs> because people were out there. This is this goes back to Dan what you were talking about with like a Jet game, you know, like if the Jets were in the Super Bowl, that there's going to be people there that are annoying. That like I, I can't watch a game with, and so we had gone into Rich's bedroom, like five of us who were like interested in the game. Yeah, and and that was where my brother had the greatest line of all time. My brother's greatest line of all time. Your brother Rich is a history teacher, and he has a cutout. He had cutout. Oh, no, I remember this. Yeah, room. and he had a cardboard cutout of JFK. Right, this this great huge cardboard cutout of JFK, and we were of course in the bedroom where all the jackets were. And somebody came in there, a young lady came in there. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say what he said, but he did a great Kennedy impression, and he gave a great line to the effect of uh, "Era, while you're down there." And it was, it was it was unbelievable. But that Super Bowl was huge because it was a ridiculous. It was like the first tight game in a really long time. 
And we were right. all like segregated. And I think I was watching it on like a 13-inch color TV. Yeah, it was. It was a very. Yeah, the, uh, from what I remember, it was a very small apartment, and there were a lot of people in there. <laughs> he may have overextended himself for that one. Now, Dan, might have been a fire hazard. <laughs> Dan, what's your plan for this weekend? Well, we're uh, you know we're doing the uh, my, my brother is hosting a, a little gathering. Uh, you know, I think the last few years it's been a little more family oriented than than uh prior and uh that you know that's the trend right now uh so you gotta you know i think with family oriented you got a couple of different things you got probably the food gets elevated the food's a little better but you right. know you can't you know you, you the, the the craftiness of your jokes have to change you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> leave those in the playoffs it's a give and take <laughs> you leave that for the divisional series. I I, I used all my material in the divisional series. <laughs> right. You have to have yeah. You have to have different material. You know. You got to clean it up. You're playing a bigger room. It's the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dan, it's just like it's just like the halftime act. Right. Now, 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 you hit something key that we wanted to talk about too. We were talking about the announcers earlier. Uh, we were talking about Joe Buck and Aikman doing this game. Do you go crazy with that, Dan? Mm-hmm. Like is it, is it um, like don't you don't you think that Madden and Summerall should be brought out of retirement and do every Super Bowl as long as they're alive? <laughs> I would rather have the corpse of John Summerall, of uh, <laughs> Pat Summerall rather. Uh, I'm not sure John who John Summerall, Summerall is. <laughs> or maybe maybe when they both died, we could combine both their their bodies. Um, John I think that uh, wasn't he a Revolutionary War hero? <laughs> there's something about a, a there's something about a particular voice that makes the moment sound more epic, and there's a few voices in sports that do that. Joe Buck's not one of them. You know. <laughs> yes. Although well, Summerall, <laughs> give me some Vince Scully for baseball. Yes. Well, Just makes back the to- game sound m- much more important. Yep, it goes back to my all-time theory that Vin Scully, as long as he is alive, should do every World Series. I don't care what network it's on. I don't care where it is. He should just be grandfathered in to do every World Series from now on. When I'm king, this is the first thing I'm doing. Well, unfortunately, uh, Joe Buck does all of our great games now. He does World Series and and, uh, Super Bowls. I mean, Dan, you missed us earlier. Cal and I have been bashing Joe Buck for the last hour. (laughs) (laughs) This is not one to send to the Buck family. This is not a- turned into the Joe Buck roast. <laughs> I'm I I wonder where we're headed here. I mean, he's he's not that old. Are we staring at two decades of Joe Buck right oh now? Oh my goodness! Oh, that's 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 just mean. Well, you know what? His father was doing games well into his seventies. I'm just going to leave you with that. Oh, goodness. he doesn't have any chronic illnesses, does he? <laughs> We'll have to check the family history there and see what, see what we can come up with. No, we're not wishing ill will on Joe Buck and his health. Let's just make that clear. We, we, are, saying, we are saying laryngitis would not be the worst thing that happened. Maybe you know? miss a flight. Right. We can get like a Wally. We can make him like the Wally Pip of broadcasting and have like Gus Johnson step in from to do the Super Bowl and never miss one again. Dan. Now let me. I have a couple of questions for you guys. Actually. Sure. Bring it. Uh, how, you know, as the years have gone on, the parties become more mixed. Uh, how annoyed do you get at the people who are there for the for the commercials? 
who want to quiet you down for the commercials, but they can talk during the game. <laughs> uh, is infuriated a strong enough word? Or <laughs> you can't, you can't, I, 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 I despise. I, I don't know. I despise. I got, see, I got a different view on that, though. I know you don't like it. Listen, if you're going to be in a Super Bowl game and you're forcing your significant other to come and they're obviously not that big into it, it's kind of like a way to sell the game to them. Come on, we'll have a great time. You get to hang out with your friends. True. And you spend 30 seconds each break laughing at a commercial. All right. That's okay. That's solid. That's solid. I didn't see it from that angle. I was thinking of the party we went to a couple of years ago at T-Rocks. You know, where, where, where uh, he had a, a two years in a row, I think we went and watched Super Bowls there or whatever. And uh, and that was like a big, that was a huge party. I mean, that was like, you know, like a 50-person party or whatever. You had like three rooms for viewing. And and so you can't really get on people with the commercials then, you know. That was also the best halftime show I've ever seen when Prince came out and covered the Foo Fighters. You remember that? Yeah, except that he actually wrote that song. He covered the Foo Fighters covering Prince. It was wait, what song? He wrote that song. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, I'm, a, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have the show's fact checker check that out then, Nello. Yeah, uh, the, that 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 uh, yeah that one. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> Cal, what are your uh, what are your feelings about the commercials? I think it's a necessary evil. Like Evan said, I think that if you're in mixed company, if if, if it's going to get everybody else to kind of be quiet during the game, then, then I'm all for it. What, what I have more of a problem with the people that come to the game, not for the commercials and not for the game itself, but as just like a social event. And they just come and they just want to, they just want to chat about what's going on in their lives throughout the game. That I have more of a problem with. Well, but is that worse than the fan that comes and wants to learn about football on the Super Bowl game? Because that bothers me. Uh, well, Evan, the question is how hot is she? Yeah, well. Isn't that always the question? Dan, I just want to read you this little, this little headline I, I have from MTV News. Uh, it's dated uh, February 8, 2007. And here's the headline. Foo Fighters, quote, have no idea why Prince covered their song at the Super Bowl. Drummer Taylor Hawkins well, says. My sources are wrong. Drummer Taylor Hawkins says best of you halftime performance could be revenge for the Foo Fighters doing "Darling Nikki" B side. Is your source Kurt Loder? <laughs> it was Mark Goodman, actually. Martha Quinn. JJ Jackson. JJ Jackson. Uh, Dan, most important element food-wise at a Super Bowl party. Nachos. All right, next question. Simple as that. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. How do you like that? Bing, bing, bing. I, no, I got, a, I got uh, a good question. A close I, second I, is the eggplant roll scene. <laughs> <laughs> now, when 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 you're talking alcohol at a Super Bowl game, do you want to be within your your faculties to to know what's going on in the game, or do you want to just let it all hang out at a Super Bowl? You know, I I love the game. Uh, I want to pay attention to the game. I think you guys identify with that. We grew up in an era where the games got out of control so quickly and the party became the focus. Uh, right, and right, then right. things good. turned. And and I think Super Bowl parties had to had to follow the lead of what, the, what happened in the games. But then we had 10 years of great games. 
and the face of parties changed. So, um, so goes the alcohol. Uh, you know, a few in the beginning, but um, if it's a great game, you want to pay attention to it. That's an excellent point because it really, and and it sounds a little more dramatic, maybe or whatever. But it did change the face of Super Bowl parties. That the closer the game is. The, the party has to be dictated on that. That's absolutely true. I mean, I think it even dictates how much you drink, how much you eat, you know. Uh, but again, we're all, we're all coming at this, or you know, or at least those of us who weren't formerly Dolphins fans, uh, we're all coming at this where our team has never been in the Super Bowl. So I, going back to that point, like if the Jets were in the Super Bowl, I don't know if I'd be able to – I mean, I usually have a couple of beers when I watch a Jet game. Um Guys, try not to snicker. Um, but, like, I don't know if I'd be able to drink. I don't know if I'd be able to – I can't eat when I watch the Jets in a playoff game. You know, like, I I don't know. I think it would be an entirely different experience. I think the whole thing would be surreal. I think yeah, it would be I, surreal. I said it I, – I think I said a couple of weeks ago to you, Dan, when we were driving back from the uh, – you giving me a ride back from the Patriots game, watching the Patriots game. Where I said, you know, if they actually do go to the Super Bowl, I may just need to lock myself in a room and watch it by myself. <laughs> you know, and that doesn't—it's not a tremendous amount of fun, but I—I I don't know how much fun I would be. <laughs> that silenced everybody. Boy, I got you. Well, listen, Dan, are you these? I can't imagine you not being fun, Steve. Oh, thanks, Dan. I, I am good times. Let's 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 wrap up this fun load, Dan, by asking you uh, who are you rooting for in this game this weekend? Now that we now that uh, the Jets are out of it, who you like? I, I got, I'm rooting for Green Bay, and I have two reasons why I'm going to root hard. Uh, one is because hatred uh, is growing for the Steelers for beating the Jets and constantly being there. Nice. That's number one. Number two, number two, if you hate Brett Favre, then you're going to love Aaron Rodgers' legend growing, winning a Super Bowl this this quickly after Favre's departure. Uh, those are two big motivators for me, so I'm I'm going all the way for the pack. That's, uh, you can't, I can't argue with either of that, I, I, either of those points. Although, Dan, I will say, you started to sound a little like Madden. When you were talking about Brett Favre, because if you if you want to hate Brett Favre, see the thing about Brett Favre is, remember remember he did that for a long time. Or am I the only one who watched uh, Frank Caliendo? Right. <laughs> Dan, Dan, I thanks for. Been, I think you've been playing a little too much Madden, Steve. Yes, Dan, thanks thanks for calling in, brother. We'll uh, we'll talk to you this week. Enjoy the game on Sunday. And uh, you know we'll probably we'll probably talk to you next week when Andy Pettit retires. Are you sad? Um, uh, listen, I appreciate you guys having me on, and I'm looking forward to the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> Dan, do you, would you like to plug anything, Dan? <laughs> uh, no, no, I uh, I am not plugging anything uh, right now. Dan's gonna. Dan's going to be on Jimmy Kimmel Live on Thursday next week. He'll be appearing in Foxwoods this weekend. He's you, got your, you got your Twitter account, the real Dan Antonello. <laughs> He's going to be at the Ha Ha Hole uh, and in Piscataway. Uh, He's doing uh, Down the Hatch in uh, Arkansas. And, uh, that's right, a and good then game. I got a big run coming up in the Catskills. 
So <laughs> with, with yeah, try Rickles. to make the bus ride up there. <laughs> we'll talk to you later, brother. Take care. Cheers. <laughs> All right, Dan, our buddy Nello checking in and giving some, some great memories. All right. That was the fun load uh, Super Bowl parties. Um, Dr. E. Ray, uh, we haven't done this segment in a while. we got about five minutes left. We'd like to do it now. Uh, let's do The Doctor Is In with Dr. E. Ray. Take it away, bud. All right. Um, breaking news from, uh, I'll give my source, ESPN.com. Mark Sanchez has just been declared uh, that he does not need surgery. Um, what do you guys think about this? And uh, is, is Sanchez becoming injury prone after two years in the league? I think that's great news right off the bat. I think that I had said all along I thought that his injury was uh, being made out to be more than it was to take the heat away from Rex Ryan and the foot fetish because it happened the same week. Um, but I do I do fear him being injury prone. He's he's not a big guy, and he takes a lot of hits. And you know he made it through this year and started every game. But I, I do fear him being injury prone. Cal, I don't. I'm not worried about him being injury prone just yet. It's only two years. Um, you got to remember, he didn't play a lot in college, so he doesn't really have a lot of experience being on the field. So I'm going to hold judgment on him being injury-prone just yet, but I am happy to hear that he doesn't have to have surgery. And does that give my conspiracy theory more legs, by the way? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, anything that supports a, a conspiracy theory of yours, Steve, I'm in support of. Thank you. All right, so uh, the uh, the... All-Star Game, NBA All-Star Game is coming up. Uh, four Celtics named to the Eastern All-Star Team uh, as reserves. Now, I know Bill Simmons is happy about this, but is this, is this the way the game's supposed to be? Maybe they're deserving, but Cal, what do you think? Well, depends. Is that What do the fans want to see? If they want to see Celtics littering the All-Star Game, then they'll be very happy. <laughs> but this wasn't a fan vote. No, I know, but, but when, when you're building... You're not building an All-Star Team to win the game. You're building an All-Star Team... Uh, to honor those who are deserving and to entertain the fans. And the Boston Celtics are one of the more popular teams in the NBA, unfortunately. I got two or, you know, one phrase for you, Team Kobe and Team LeBron. Go check it and go check out what the NHL did. That's what the NBA All-Star Game should do in a heartbeat. Oh, that, pick, would be, that would and, be great. And pick it and have a little draft and do it like uh, they're playing street ball. They, you're so right. Hockey had a great idea, but really that idea is built for basketball because that's the way basketball is played. In the Absolutely. Gym totally. Country. Great call, Steve. Excellent. I don't normally give you credit. All right, real quick. <laughs> uh, just, just this one is uh, you know, near and dear to both your hearts. Anybody catch the video of uh, DiPietro getting knocked out with one, knocked down with one punch the other day? Last I night, actually, yeah. I actually watched it live. I had yeah. flipped on that game, and, and I was watching it live and uh, because, you know, we're in this area where there's no sports, so I'll watch anything, obviously. So and, he, uh, yeah, one punch. Week, in the next week, are we going to be hearing he's out with a jaw or something? <laughs> I think he's out with a bruised ego because he's going to be on the shelf with a bruised ego because he got knocked out. and Man, you got knocked the boot out. Well, if there's anything that good came out of this, it was the uh, the bevy of Billy Smith in a fight uh, videos that were sent around. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> Much more yeah. successful. I'm going to let Cal end it with this one. Uh, Cal, just give everyone your favorite Toto song and get it over with. My favorite Toto song? Here Rosanna. Is. Could you give us a few bars? Rosanna. Uh, Rosanna, yeah. <laughs> I'll meet you all the way. That's enough said. I was, it. I was looking at the lyrics for uh, Africa. That is the most bizarre song ever. Yep. 
I have no idea what it's about. I don't know what he was going for. I, I, we really need like a behind the music just on that song. And they managed to put Kilimanjaro and Serengeti in a song. Yeah, I think we should mention the line. I'm just going to say it right here. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> All right. Sure as Kilimanjaro rises, is like Olympus above Serengeti. And that rolls right off the tongue. That is all the time we are going to take of your life tonight. We're ready to unload. Uh, Brian Calvi, what, final unload, please. My final unload is enjoy the Super Bowl and go pack. Dr. E-Ray. No, no. <laughs> Dr. E-Ray's final E-Ray is I don't know. My final unload is, uh, yeah, enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. Maybe the Jets will be there next year. So uh, we will see you all maybe next week. We're figuring out when we're going to be back live and whatnot. Uh, thanks uh, very much to Dan Antonello for calling in. We had a good time with that. Uh, we'll be hearing from him down the road. And, uh, guys, uh, I had a blast. So we'll do it again real soon. For Brian Calvi and Evan Eisenberg, I'm Steve Sampietro. Good night, everybody. <laughs>